We are beginning our new series called Sola Scriptura. We believe that the Bible is authoritative, that the Bible is relevant to our lives today, and that the Bible is transformational. For 2,000 years, the Bible has spoken into the lives of people, led them to Jesus, and changed their eternal destinies. And it continues to do so to this very day. But what is Sola Scriptura exactly? Well, Sola Scriptura is Latin for Scripture alone. Scripture is the divinely inspired final authority of faith in Jesus. It is the Word of God. Now, we don't worship the Bible, we worship Jesus. But the Bible is our final authority for our faith in and following of Jesus. Sola Scriptura is one of the distinctives of the Reformed tradition. The Reformation was a 16th century movement where people in the church felt like the church was losing its way in both belief and practice and following Jesus. And so people like Martin Luther and John Calvin looked to reform what the church was doing. And they wanted to reform it according to the word of God. We are Twin Falls Reformed Church. We trace our roots to that movement. Now, we want to emphasize uh, using a printed version of the Bible. But why a printed version of the book? You know, with technology, uh, we can access the Word of God in all sorts of ways. The most popular way nowadays is on our phone, which is great. Uh, because we can bring God's word with us wherever we go. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with using a Bible app. But when our phones and our Bible apps completely replace an actual book, something is lost. We do lose something. And so we want to encourage you to use a printed version of the book. And just three quick reasons as to why. First of all, there's personal significance in having your own Bible. This Bible was given to me by Gary and Kay Hunick when I was ordained a minister of the Word and Sacrament, which is our fancy term for pastor here. Um, I did youth ministry for seven years in Wisconsin before coming here. And during that time, Gary and Kay were great friends. And they sort of adopted Shannon and I. And the date on this Bible, when they gave it to me, was July 20th, 2003. So just shy, five days shy, of 15 years. I've had this Bible for 15 years. And for 15 years, it's been my primary study Bible. Um, I've used this Bible um, almost every Sunday, if not every Sunday, that I've uh, given the message here. Uh, you'll usually, if you've ever, if you notice this, I use, I use this as the blessing at the end of the service. This is what I use this for. Um, every Bible study that I've led, this has been the Bible I've used for the last 15 years. Now, I need to get the binding redone. It's beginning to come apart a little bit here. But I've got history with this book. And this book has special meaning to me. And that's not something you get from a Bible app on your phone. You just don't. 
So there's personal significance in having your own Bible. Um, when we use a printed version of the Bible, um, we become more familiar with the location and context of a passage. Look, when we look up a passage on a Bible app on our phone, what I love about it is all I gotta do is type in the book, the chapter, and the verse. And then the, the app does the rest of the work. I don't have to go looking for the verse. It's like, I know where everything is in the Bible. I just have my app, it's great. But when you look up a passage in a printed book and you actually page through it and search through it, you learn a few things just from looking up a passage. First of all, you see, is this an Old Testament passage? Is this a New Testament passage? Is this something that happened before Jesus's ministry or during Jesus's ministry or after Jesus's ministry? Um, context, you know, what verses or chapters are before and after the passage I'm looking up? If you are turning towards to one of the four Gospels, there's a good chance you're going to see the other Gospels. When you're turning to one of uh, Paul's letters, there's a good chance you're going to encounter other of others of Paul's letters. If you are reading a prophet, there's a really good chance that you're going to bump into some of the other prophets just on your way to that part of the book. And so the more you look through it, the more familiar you become with it. And then the third reason is um, we want you to encourage you to interact with the text for information and application, to literally take notes for future reference in your Bible. It's okay to write notes in your Bible. That's all right. Because um, when you read a printed version of the Bible, you can record how God is speaking to you in that passage. Maybe there's a new truth that strikes you. It's okay to write that in your Bible. Or maybe there's something you are like, man, I really need to do life differently because of this passage. And you can write that down. Um, when, and then when you go back and revisit a passage, what you will see is that you're going to learn something new every time you go back, even to the same passage. Every now and then, I find myself giving a message on a Sunday morning on a passage for a second time. Um, and when I, even if it's a passage I've given a message on before, I don't just repeat the same message. I will write a new message, even if it's the same passage. And it's interesting in that process how I will see something the second time around that I didn't see the first time around. And if you write notes in your Bible and then you revisit that passage and you read that note and you reread the passage, you'll be like, well, here's something I, I see now that I didn't see then. And you will be blessed because you'll discover, you know, every time I come back to this book, it's got something new to say to me. So we're issuing this Sola Scriptura challenge. And there's three parts to this challenge. Part one is we want to challenge you on Sunday mornings to bring your Bible to borrow a Bible here in the worship center or buy a Bible from the information desk. We have uh, study Bibles at the information desk for $15. These are great study Bibles, especially for 15 bucks. That's somehow we found, found them for that price. That's what we're selling them for. Um, and uh, you're not gonna find a better study Bible for that price. Really excited about those. But we have Bibles on kiosks and tables in the back. And if you want to go, we're going to stand for scripture here in a second. And when we do that, if you want to go and grab a Bible on one of the kiosks or on the table, you're welcome to do so and just borrow it for the service. That's great. Uh, the second part is to, we want you to memorize 
Either one, the books of the Bible in order. That will take some doing if you've never done that before, but it's a great challenge. Or you can memorize the theme verse. It was on the screen, 2 Timothy 2, uh, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Or memorize a verse that's relevant to a situation you are currently facing. You know, sometimes we just memorize verses, and that's good. But maybe there's a challenging situation that you are facing. And there's a good, there's a good chance that if you were just do a quick Google search, you can find a verse that's relevant to the situation you're facing. And so find a verse relevant to your situation and commit it to memory. And what we would really love, uh, see if, if you guys would be willing to do this, um, we would love for you to share what verses you are memorizing on Facebook. Just do a Facebook post memorizing this verse, tag TFRC in the post, and we would just love to see what verses are relevant to your current life situation. And then third, I want you to commit to spending more time in personal Bible study. And one option that we are creating for you is we're creating a four further study section or have created a four further study section in the back of your outline. If you have an outline and you look at the very back page, you'll see a section called four further study. And there are things in the outline that we are not going to directly address in the messages on Sunday morning. And so you'll only be able to access them if you grab an outline. Um, and so I just encourage you to get one for further study. Those outlines are on the kiosks in the back table as well. But if you have your Bibles, please turn to 2 Timothy 3. If you are able, please stand and face the center of the room. And if you want to sneak and grab a Bible real quick, uh, you can do that too. Second Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, before you sit back down, uh, I just want to focus on God-breathed part of the passage just for a moment. You see, Scripture has authority because it is God-breathed. God's Word is divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit. God has spoken and acted in history. And people in history have witnessed what God has said and what God has done. And so they recorded it wrote down God's words and actions. And God's Holy Spirit was working in them as they did so. The written word of God is the work of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6, verse 17 says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God is described as the sword of the Spirit. And so if you want to see the Holy Spirit at work, open up a Bible. And what does the sword of the Spirit do? Hebrews 4 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing 
soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitude of the heart. As we follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit guides us. And the Holy Spirit has given us this book to do so. The word is alive and active. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Do you want to know if your thoughts and attitudes are being guided by the Holy Spirit? Look in the book. The Spirit has given us the word of God to guide us. The scripture has authority because it is God breathed. It's why we stand at this moment. Okay, you may be seated. If you do have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 1. God's word has brought life into being. God's word brought life into being. Again, turn to Genesis chapter 1. It's towards the beginning of your Bibles. Uh, It's the creation story. And anytime that there are discussions around the creation story, what usually monopolizes discussion around the creation story is the whole discussion of the six days that it took God to create. You know, did God create in six literal days, or do those days represent an era? And there's all sorts of opinions and discussion around this aspect of the creation story. But what's lost in that discussion of how long it took God to create, what's lost in that discussion is how God actually created. And if you have your Bibles to open to Genesis chapter 1, I'm just going to point out some verses. You can just scroll down with your finger as you go. But I just want you to look at the pattern of how God created. What God did to create, it just jumps off the page. It's, so, it's very obvious. Verse 3 says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Verses 6 and 7. And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. And later in verse 7 it says, And it was so. Verse 9. And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. Verse 11. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. Verses 14 and 15. And God said, Let there be light in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. Verse 24. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. How did God create? That's right. God spoke. Day after day after day, God speaks creation into existence. God spoke, and it was so. We owe our very existence to God's words. 
Now, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed. But what was the first time? The Bible talks about God breathing. Well, if you're still in Genesis chapter 1, you can just flip to Genesis chapter 2. Because throughout Genesis chapter 1, God speaks. In Genesis chapter 2, it mentions God breathing. Verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. God's breath gives life and scripture is God breathed. It brings life just as God's word has done from the very beginning. God's word brings life into being and God's word bolsters life. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 1. Don't go there on the screen yet. Psalm chapter 1. Everything that is alive needs nourishment to stay alive. This is not a deep thought, okay? Everything that is alive needs nourishment to stay alive. Look, if you have a plant, you need to feed and water it, right? Usually means that you have to fertilize it, give it water, make sure it gets enough sun. Every year... Um, I try to grow a giant pumpkin. And uh, my record year, I once grew a 130-pound pumpkin. Okay, that's my record year. My typical year, the plant doesn't make it to August. <laughs> it's July, there's still hope for me. There's still hope, okay? Now, if you have a pet, you have to feed and water the pet, right? Usually, and again, it's usually Dog food, if you have dogs, cat food, if you have a cat, it's nice that they label it according to the pet you have. Okay, and water, right? And I have two dogs. My family, we have two dogs. I have a husky lab mix named Scooby, and I have an Airedale Terrier German Shepherd mix named Mocha. Okay, and we spend, again, those are bigger dogs, so we spend about $25 a month in dog food and about $500 a month on dog treats. So, you know, it's all good. <laughs> if you have children... You know, you have to feed and water them too, I guess. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure it's the best way to say it. But, uh, you know, when your kids are younger, it usually means ice cream and soda. And, uh, you know, when they're teenagers, it's potato chips and energy drinks. You know, and I can feel some of you judging me. You feed your kids what you want. I'll feed my kids what I want. But it's all good. <laughs> Get into the Psalm 1. Let's go to Psalm 1 quickly here. <laughs> Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Now there are a number of Psalms that emphasize the life-giving nature of God's word. Psalm 1 is one example. In the For Further Study section in the outline, I give another example. It's Psalm 19. But Psalm 1 contrasts the wicked and the righteous. And I don't know if you've noticed this before, if you've ever read Psalm 1, or if you noticed it when it's just being on the screen. But you'll notice that the wicked go from walking to standing 
to sitting. And I think that's intentional. Because there's this descending level of energy, this descending level of life that comes with wickedness, that comes with sinfulness. You see, the wicked, the sinful, the mockers, that takes life away. Sin kills. Think about some of the Ten Commandments. You want to kill a marriage? Well, commit adultery. You want to kill trust? Well, steal from others. Tell lies about others. You want to kill happiness? Covet what other people have. But the psalm goes on to say, delight in the law of the Lord. Meditate on it constantly. And then look at the image. A tree that yields fruit, leaves that do not wither. Those people prosper. Those people truly live. Look, the foundation to a happy marriage is faithfulness. Foundation to great friendships is trust. The foundation to happiness is contentment. It's really hard to be unhappy when you enjoy what you have, whether that's your spouse or your friends or your stuff. Delight in the law of the Lord. Meditate on it constantly. Those people prosper. They live. Remember, do you remember what Jesus said to the, to the devil in his temptation? Jesus told the devil, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In creation, Genesis chapter 1, God spoke and it was so. God spoke and it was so. God spoke and it was so. There was a first time, though, when God spoke and it wasn't so. In Genesis chapter 2, God tells Adam, hey, look, you can eat from any tree in the garden, but not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or you will die. And in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they brought death. Not following God's word brings death. God's word brought life into being, and God's word bolsters life. As Jesus said in John chapter 10, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God's word bolsters life, but God's word is also the basis for life. It's the basis for life. If you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1, I'll give you a second to do that. Um, but John chapter 1 when you get there, you'll notice it's a lot like Genesis chapter 1. It literally begins with the same three words. John chapter 1 begins with, in the beginning. And then John chapter 1 talks about things being made. It talks about life. It talks about God's word. Here are the first four verses of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. 
Now something new happens here. Something different happens here. The word of God is personified. God's word is the source of all life. And John chapter 1 says, through him all things were made. God's word is the foundation of all life. And John chapter 1 says, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Now earlier I said, we worship Jesus not the Bible. And why do we worship Jesus and not the Bible? Well, look, the Bible is God's word written down. Jesus is God's word in the flesh. John 1 personifies the word of God, and Jesus is that personification in the flesh. Jesus was the perfect example of God's word being lived out. Remember what Jesus said? He said, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Meaning, to live it out the way that it was intended to be lived out. You want to know what it looks like to live according to God's word? Well, look at the life of Jesus. He did it perfectly. John 1, verse 14, if you scroll down to verse 14 of that chapter, says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so when we talk about getting into the book, into the Bible, we do it because it's spirit-inspired. We do it because it is God-breathed. But we do it because it leads to Jesus. The Word of God made flesh. Jesus. Jesus brings life. Jesus bolsters life. Jesus is the basis for life. The Word of life. Please pray with me. And Lord, we do thank you for your word as it comes to us in scripture, inspired by the spirit, breathed by you, passed down to us by men and women who, um, again, were faithful followers of you long before we ever came around. And Lord, we thank you for your word becoming flesh, Jesus. To not just be an example for us, but Lord, to actually infuse life into us. Again, Lord, I would ask that we would um, become more and more attached and committed to your word so that we can model the life of uh, Jesus everywhere we go and in doing so, truly live. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. And receive God's blessing from his word. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.